Hello, and welcome to Chapter One Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel. And I'm Claire. And today we are discussing The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. But before we get into that, um, we have a couple fun little announcements and updates for all y'all listening, even though I'm pretty sure there's like 10 of you, but we love all of you nonetheless. Um, So anyways, um, all of our episodes can be found on SoundCloud and the iTunes podcast store. Um, So that's where I figured out how to post and all that kind of stuff. However, we do have limited upload space on SoundCloud. So what that means is that if you miss seeing an episode when it comes out and you go to sound, check SoundCloud or the iTunes store and it's gone, never fear. We're uploading all of our episodes also onto archive.org and the link is on our SoundCloud page and I tend to post the link in the um, episode descriptions on iTunes. So you can always check there and you'll be able to find all of our old episodes on archive, even if they're not up on the iTunes store or SoundCloud account. So um, now that that's out of the way, Claire, what fun media have you been enjoying this week? Oh, well, I binge-watched three episodes of The Flash last night. Well done. <laughs> and and was, I actually got into it again. So The Flash has really been, like, it's been a struggle to watch The Flash this season. And watching three episodes in a row, I got into it again. And then Barry had amnesia, and he was just so cute. Yeah, Barry with amnesia was adorable. It was like having Happy Barry back from season one, and I want him back full. Right. See what happens in the finale. I'm so. I'm thinking that they keep trying to be like Arrow. I don't like that they keep trying to be like Arrow, but that to me means anyone who has died is not actually dead. Basically, right? Like apparently on Earth One, death is just a temporary sentence. Um, for me, what, what I've been enjoying... Sorry, what? What about you? Oh, so, like, Supergirl has been on fire, like, the last three weeks, and I'm so happy. Yeah, she... Like, Cat Grant coming back gives me life. Like, the episode Alex made me weep. Amazing. Like, it's just, it's finally figured out what it's been doing wrong all season, and it's not focusing on its title character, Supergirl. <laughs> and so they finally started doing that again, and it's like, thank you. <laughs> I really um, appreciated the episode with a lot of um, James. I liked that yeah. one with the kid. Yeah, James with the kid was solid. Um, that was a that was a solid episode for sure. Um, but yeah, so that's all been really yeah. good. And then I also um, started binge watching Outlander on Netflix. Um, nice. But yeah. Okay. Cool. Oh, and also just podcasts. I found a really oh. Oh, no. So there's a, I have to give another podcast recommendation. It's called 88 Cups of Tea. And I've only listened to like an episode and a bit of it. But it's just like, it's author interviews. So like they interview Sarah J. Maas. They interview Victoria Schwab, like Beth Revis, like all of these great authors, like some that I read a lot and some that I haven't read yet. And it's just like really long, like hour and a half interviews, where they just talk about like everything under the sun from like, how to get like, what their publishing journey was like, how they got an agent. So it's it's more sort of geared towards like people who want to be writers and storytellers and that kind of stuff. But it's also kind of like an inspirational thing for like anyone in any profession. I feel like especially anyone in like a self-guided profession like we're in, which is like as researchers, where it's kind of like you have to like keep going and sometimes you get stuck. And I think that like approaching sometimes like our research struggles through like the idea of story is useful or like trying to write a paper or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. so either way, like, it's been really enjoyable, and then they also talk about, like, personal stuff and, like, goofy stuff, and I've, like, I listened to, like, 
an episode in a bit this week and I was like, this is really enjoyable and I'm really happy I found this. But yeah. But yeah, okay. Um, cool. Now that we've done that, let's talk about The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet, which is a great novel. It's fantastic. Um, it's a little bit hard to describe, and like I'm supposed to give the synopsis. Um, so the basic premise is there's this crew on this like long hauler spaceship. So it's a space novel, um, but it's a multi-species spaceship. So you have all these different alien species. Um, and the idea is, is that they just got hired to do a really long job. And it's not, and like, that's sort of like the throughput plot of like, it's them going like across the galaxy to do this job that will hopefully give them like a bunch of credits. But more so what the story is, is it's basically, it's almost like a series of vignettes about like what life is like on this spaceship and what life is like on this journey for these people. Um, and like people that come from vastly different cultures and different like species and all this kind of stuff and how like, you interact and like a lot of sort of ties like what the idea of like what is found family like what is like how does anyone decide like what is right and wrong and um just like the family that you choose and like how you take care how people take care of one another and all that kind of stuff um but it's super enjoyable um it's really like adorable and all the characters are great it's like reminiscent of firefly but without the angst <laughs> I feel like that's like a really apt description is it's Firefly but it's not nearly as dark like a lot more happy yeah I think that's fair yeah but yeah so anyway so that was the sort of like non-spoilery recap if you haven't read this book go and read this book come back start the podcast around here and you can listen to Claire and I's wonderfully spoiler-filled discussion. So go away, leave. Okay, do you think do you think they're gone? Are they gone? I think they are. Okay. I don't know. Okay, Claire. Yeah, think... What are you, what are your thoughts? What do you think of the first book that I picked? I really enjoyed this book. Yeah. And the the thing that I think I liked most about this book was how she explained. So other sapiens, like, and like, because she gave such good descriptions of how their societies work, who they are as people, how they view other people, and how they try to interact with each other, and how do you learn how to interact with someone whose culture has a fundamentally different idea of what interaction means. Yeah, like, she does this so well. Like, I don't read a whole bunch of, like, like sci-fi stuff of this genre where it's, like, space travel and that kind of stuff. But I feel like a lot of fantasy novels don't even do this kind of thing well. Because, like, a lot of fantasy novels, you have sort of those, like, different races or different species and they have to interact. But, like, this book takes that, like, that whole, like, interspecies interaction to a next level and, like, tackles it so well. Like, it's nuts. Yep. And and they don't just talk, and she doesn't just talk about how it's difficult for humans to interact with other sapiens. Mm -hmm. It's also hard for those sapiens to figure out how to interact with humans. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so mm -hmm. I, so like I said, I was going to like fully reread this and like, I already told Claire this, but full honesty, listeners, I wasn't able to reread the entire book, but like, I remember enough of it, but like, it's super like handy because like one of the scenes I was just rereading today was when Sissix, who's this, um, who's an Andrisk, I don't know how, if that's how you say it, an Andrisk, I don't know, 
Um, but she's like a lizard alien type species where she looks like reptilian. And I just read her molting scene, which is like one of the, like, it's such a good scene because it's just like Sissex being like super, like just done with all of her human crewmates and just like any, like any of her non like Andrus crewmates. And she's just like, uh, I'm so like, uh, and then it's just like Dr. Chef is just like, oh, you're homesick. And they talk about this exact thing. And it's so poignant that this discussion is happening between like a Grum, who's a very non-human like creature and an Andrus, who's also like super non-human like and just like that. And it, yeah, it does exactly that. It captures how like, like interacting with other species is hard. And I like how it wasn't like, there were like a majority of human characters, but it also was like not human centric in any way either. Mm Which is like really fitting because like they like they talk too about how the entire like space like the galactic commons isn't human centric like there are those like random other species that just happen to get lucky enough to get caught up into this and they're like okay cool yay but yeah so no like I thought like she does it so well and she does it without it being boring like she manages to like work it into like interesting conversations and like um, or, like, the one of the things I really liked was there was, like, an essay that, like, Rosemary was reading at one point, like, because, like, they also have, like, the interjections, like, the news reports and, like, different, like, historical documents or stuff like that. And there was a really good one where, it, like, again, it was really well done in the sense that it was written by, like, an Andrus professor and it was, like, talking about that exact thing of being, like, how do people, like, interact and, like, the idea or, like, oh, they're talking about, like, the laws of life and just, like, my the scientist in me was just so happy yeah. that they talked about that about how it's like yeah like we know that there are like laws of physics and laws of gravity and all these other things but it's so hard for us to agree that there might be laws for life and it's like well why why shouldn't there be like every other science thing has those my my favorite line from that essay which i have open right now yeah says the answer of course is that the laws are really impossible to test scientists hate that yeah, no, it's, it's, it's so, uh, it was so well done. I was like, it, yeah. Physics, and it's easy to test chemistry, but biology takes lifetimes. Yeah, it takes generations. Yeah. It takes, like, generations and generations of all this kind of stuff to deal with, and it's like, of course, like, we're not going to figure it out. Like, it's too big. But yeah, no, like, it was, it was so... So like uh it's just so well done. And so it's it's one of these like things where it's like the the copy that I have, I don't know if it has the same blurb on yours, but the blurb on like the front of mine calls it a quietly profound humane tour de force. And that that's what it is, is it is like this quietly profound book. Like there's a couple fire like gunfights. No, there's like there's a robbery scene, but like no shots are fired because they use diplomacy to talk themselves out of it. <laughs> like there's only like I think a couple shots fired, and it's like at the very end of the book when they're yep. dealing with the Taremi Ka and horrible, yep. heartbreaking things happen. <laughs> yeah, which is super upsetting. But it's, uh, it's so, uh, it's so good. They also, not, they don't end up going to war over it, right? They just decide, okay, well, then we can't have this treaty, right? Yeah. And they've solved, they solved their problem of the ship that was trying to connect two points and getting the empty space mm-hmm. as grounds for just dissolving an agreement as opposed to we're going to send all our force in and blow you up. Yeah. 
yeah no like that like i really like that and like i like too this idea that like different species have like different characteristics but certain species do like have similar things so like they were talking about it i think when like um sissix and ashby were playing chess and sissix was or yeah. like i think yeah like sissix or sissix or or uh, dr chef was complaining about how like all of your games are about like conquest and that kind of stuff and then they talked about how like the andrisks were all about like collaboration and like problem solving and like that's just like what their species like that's how they think of it um like that kind of stuff but right. at the same time like andrisks like they don't view like children as like being necessarily alive yet they're just like hey like these people haven't figured like they haven't contributed to society like they haven't figured anything out like we'll care about them once they're like actually up here and like, that's just how their culture works and it's not cruel it's not like necessarily mean it's just like that's just how they function there's like yeah there's a bunch of these hatchlings around but like it helps that their hatchlings are born in such a way that they can fully function yeah right they can feed themselves they can you know walk around they can talk to each other basically and you don't they have adult supervision but the adult supervision is more hatchlings supervising adults so they're they're watching they're figuring out how to be a person yeah as opposed to an adult basically pretending to be a small child to get them to <laughs> do things. Yeah. Yeah, no, so I love, like, the Andrews culture. I was bummed during my reread I didn't get to, like, the scene where, like, they went and visited, like, Sissick's home planet, but, like, I love that scene. Favorite. It's so great. Uh, so, yeah, so let's talk, let's talk favorite characters. Like, it's really hard to pick a favorite character from here because they're all so great. But who, if you had to pick a favorite character, or maybe, like, we can do favorite character and favorite place that they visited. We can do both for this one, since they visit so many places. Okay. Um, I think my favorite character is Sissix. I thought that she was written very well. She's, she is someone I felt like, in some ways, I could identify with her, right? And that was true of pretty much everyone, but I looked forward to the scenes with Sissix. And so, yes, I really appreciated when they went to her home planet and we got to see more of what her life is like. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what her are like. Yeah. I probably am going to echo you. Like, for me, yeah, like, totally agree. Like, Sissix was, like, I think, hands down my favorite character. I, like, love the perspective she had on different things. I love, like, how she handled problems, like, and, like, the fact that she was, like, she was, like, this, like, diplomatic character, but also was, like, completely willing to, like, throw down and, like, insult anyone, too. It's, like, I like that idea that it was, it was, like, hey, like, here's this person who has, like, a decent grasp, but, like, struggles with things and, like, gets mad, but, like, knows how to handle it like a reasonable person. And also just, like, her compassion and stuff. So, like, I was just rereading the scene where they were on, I think it was Port Coriol, and Sissix wanted to get scale scrub. And she like saw like this like lonely andrus woman mm -hmm. who was like selling at this scale scrub and she realized like oh like shit like this this person should be like in a different stage of her life like this shouldn't be what she's doing right now like she should be like with other andrus and like having like a hatch family and doing all that kind of stuff and she like reached out to her and was just like hey like and, like and like she comforted her and she just like here's a stranger that she's never met but she's just like no one should have to be alone like that like like all that kind of stuff and it's just because like this other like woman was different like her brain didn't function the way that other like andrus brains function and so it made she was like an outlier and the fact that sissix was just like that doesn't like she didn't do anything wrong so like of course she's gonna go and help them and i'm just like sissix <laughs> people just need hugs 
Yeah, sometimes people just need hugs. It was so great. And so like, I also, like, I love, like, her and Rosemary's interactions. And also just, like, Ro like Ro Rosemary is, like, a really close second, I think. Because just, like, her, like, I, I just, like, appreciate, like, her, like, practicality and lots of different things. How, like, when, like, they, when the pirates come on board and they try and, like, rob them, Rosemary's just, like, what if we did this instead? And, like, manages to, like, talk them down and, like, negotiate with them. And I'm just, like damn girl like you have like mad mad skills or, like mad like protocols of handling it yeah which brings i think to my third favorite character which is dr mm -hmm. chef because like dr, dr. chef, chef like his story about his homeworld also his species is like in general is like so interesting the fact that it's like biological sex is like a transitionary period for them they're just like yeah nope we all start out girls then we become dudes and then we become something that's yeah. not really either and that's just how their species work and you're like like, this is so cool okay. and then just like too like the fact that like he like when he talks about his species and like what like the fate of the grum and all that kind of stuff and like i love like just how he like consoles the other characters like especially like after the pirate scene and he's just like wait have you not processed like he like looks at rosemary and he's just like have you guys not processed this yet god humans and their emotional suppression i'm just like too real too the, the, yeah the whole the whole sentence goes your species does not have a knack for emotional suppression. And as your doctor, I would like to say that diving straight into paperwork after negotiating at gunpoint isn't a very healthy decision. Right? I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> like, too true. I need, I need a doctor chef in my life to remind me of these things. Of being just like a really good, just like counseling figure, just being like, hey, you're, you're being dumb right now and you need to take care of yourself. So like go take care of yourself. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess I gave like three place like three characters I liked instead of a favorite place. But if I had to pick a favorite place, I'm just in the middle of like the um the scene where they're on cricket. <laughs> oh I I liked Yeah, which like cricket. Like I love I just love all of like Jenks and Kizzy's friends. Like they're all super interesting. Um and it's really cool. So like the so the like the companion novel. It's called A Close and Common Orbit. Also, really great title. I mean, I haven't gotten super far into it, but it's about, like, Lovelace. So, okay. like, the fact that, like, when, like, when Pepper comes and, like, puts her into, like, the other body, and it's, like, it literally starts with her and Pepper on the ship and, like, going through it. So you get, like, Lovelace um, adjusting to her new body and this, okay. like, this idea that, like, she was also just rebooted, like, three hours prior and it's like now experience a completely like different way of being um and then you also get flashbacks for pepper so it was really helpful like going back and rereading this one because i couldn't okay. quite remember who pepper and blue were um but then i was like oh shit like now i remember and so it talks about like it's like flashbacks to, like pepper when she was like on her home planet and like the shit that like they went through there and like we just i don't <laughs> know like we haven't gotten in our flashbacks to meeting blue yet but like sort of that dynamic and so I'm really excited to like go and like see more of what happens because I've heard that it's like even more about like found family and stuff than this book was and I'm just like ah. wow. but no yeah. so uh, so yeah so that's what a closing comment orbit is about is it's all about like Lovelace and Pepper like going off and like trying to adjust and all that kind of stuff and I'm interested to see if we see like the people like the crew from the Wayfarer again or if they'll keep their distance because like what they did was super illegal <laughs> and okay. questionable if they like 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 did the crew like because Jenks knows that that's what Pepper did, but does the rest of the crew know that like Lovelace 
went off? Well, they know that Lovelace is no longer with them because by the end they have an, another AI that I think is called Tycho. Yeah, yeah. But um, I I don't know for sure if the rest of the crew know. Um, I know Jenks was supposed to talk to Ashby about being put in the body kit, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he ever got around to talking to Ashby about it. Yeah. So they so, yeah. might, they might not. Yeah, I don't know. So it'd be I'm interested to see if like if they meet with her again and just being like, ah. so like the like the and like also just like all the different relationships that they played out, like you got everything in here. You got like, uh, it's just it's so good and like so interesting and also just like uh, like can we talk about Ohan for a bit? And just, oh like, yes, how crazy they are and like the concept and like the ethical questions that like their existence brings into yeah. play. But the thing, the thing with Ohan is I wanted to know more about them, but at this point I want to know more about him. Yeah. You know, I want to hear him reflecting on they. Yeah, like him as a solitary reflecting back onto his experience as a pair. It's, it's nuts, and so it was just like, yeah, like the, like the solitary is coming in at all and just being like, like that questioning of like, is it... Like, is it all right? Like, is it all right what Corbin did when Corbin cured Ohan the pair and made Ohan now a, like a singular person? Like, because it's one of those things where it was like, at, like, was like, was Ohan in a place where like they could actually give consent yeah. considering like they were dying. And like, part of the reason they were dying is there was this parasite in their brain that made them who they were, but it was hijacking all of their senses. And like saying, nope, this is what you have right. to do to stay alive. And it's really interesting, like reading this and like having like peeps in the back of my mind by Scott Westerfeld, where it talks about all the different like crazy parasite, like parasite relationships that they have with their hosts and being like, oh, this is like, what? And then, yeah. And then just like <laughs> Ohan, like coming out of it and being like a singular person. And like the, when he comes down and he's just like, I just want to have dinner with my crew be with you people that I love and it's just like (laughs) and Dr. Chef is being like I want to make a meal with you and just like take care of you and you're like so many feelings (laughs) yeah but yeah so yeah so like uh so many great characters like I feel so bad for not being able to love like all of the characters um, but let's talk about like our favorite sort of like one-liners. There's so many to pick, right? Oh. Okay, so I have one one open here. Yeah. And it goes along with a found family thing, but I thought this was one of the most powerful parts of the book. Yeah. Okay. Found out that Rosemary wasn't always Rosemary Harper, and that her father is this now criminal from Mars and he instead of getting really mad at her you're Rosemary Harper you chose that name because the old one didn't fit anymore so you had to break a few laws to do it big fucking deal life isn't fair and laws usually aren't either you did what you had to do I get that it was like you chose that name because the old one didn't fit and he was just accepting that she needed to be 
a different person in order to survive. And she needed to reinvent herself to feel comfortable. And he gets that because other people he knows choose names for themselves. And yeah. it's fine. And that's yeah. who they are. Like the entire, like the idea of like the modern culture and like Jenks and Kizzy's culture and like blue and pepper and like all of these modders. I'm just like, it's such like a powerful, like, metaphor and like representation honestly of like the queer community and that idea of like chosen names and that kind of stuff I and mean, like it applies everywhere right but like that's such like a huge thing of that idea of being like like no like not everyone is going to be comfortable in the body they were born in so like where's the harm in letting them figure out how to make their body more comfortable mm -hmm. for them or make their identity more comfortable for them like like their people are allowed to grow into it they're allowed to change and they're allowed to be different kind of just like dr chef like, Dr. Chef, like, grows through these different phases, and, like, they're going to be doing different things. Like, he's going to be doing different things throughout his life. But he's still, like, fundamentally, and, like, who he is. Yeah, and they also talk about, like, uh, you can, they call it, like, gen tweak, like, tweaking yeah. your genetics. And a lot of, uh, it's questioned, at, at least towards the beginning, that Jenks is pretty much a midget. And he... His mom never changed him, and he doesn't feel the need to change himself because that's how he is, and he's fine. Everything yeah. works. Yeah, like, he's I love though. Jenks, and just, like, the fact that, like, he just, like, and, like, like oh, the representation of this book is, like, off the charts because it's, like, you have, like, persons of color because, like, no one's white because, like, Exodens have, or I guess, like, Corbin's technically white, but, like, race is, like, everyone's blended together, but they still talk about, like, speciesism, so it's not like they're really, like, like erasing all that kind of stuff. But, like, you have, like, Jenks, who is, like, a representative of, like, kind of, like, a differently abled community of, like, the fact that, like, hey, like, here's someone who has, like, a genetic disorder. It's not going to stop him from living, like, a completely full and awesome life. Like, Jenks is, like, happy. Like, that's who he is. And then, like, same with, like, and just, like, all this other stuff. And it's just, like, oh, this is so well done. And, like, yeah, like, all of that stuff about, like, finding your true name and that, like, found family. And it's, like, that's applicable to so many like marginalized communities and just like communities in general of being like, you deserve the chance to figure out like where you fit and like, you don't have to change yourself if you don't want to, or you can change yourself in different ways. Cause like Jenks like tattooed himself off the wazoo and he's just like, this is more me. Like, I don't need to be tall, but I want to be tattooed. Mm -hmm. That's it. And that's okay. Both are okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's so many great lines. Um, if I was picking, like, I'm going to like, change the tone a little bit and just go for like the fact that like this book is like really funny so like mostly like any basically kizzy line i just love like i love kizzy because she's just so ridiculous um but towards the very start of the book when um kizzy's like trying to ask uh Sisyx something and kizzy's just like mm -hmm. um uh Sisyx, i need to talk to you about the super scandalous sexy bit i saw today <laughs> and then there's like a bit of an interaction and like, no, listen, it's important. Um, uh, it's a multi-species bit, and I now have a bucket full of questions about androsk anatomy. And Sisyx is like, you've seen me naked before. You've probably seen a lot of androsk naked before. Yes, but da-da-da-da-da. And anyways, and then Sisyx's like, what's the name of the video? Yeah. And it's like, Prison Planet 6, the zero-G spot. And I just like, the first time I read it, I like lost it. I was like, oh my god, this is so great. Like, just like weird space <laughs> pun porn. Like, the fact that it's a pun, I think, is what like raised it to the next level for me. Uh, but yeah, I just love like Kizzy and like how she can be this like sort of ridiculous and like kind of like airheadish figure. 
And yet she's also still like super kind and like super capable. It's just like, yeah, like she has to write a note on her arm reminding herself to eat, but she's still gonna like keep the ship flying better than anyone else. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I just like, I love Kizzy. And then like, I there was also just like interaction with like her and Jenks. And just like towards the very end when like she goes on this really long like monologue of like, Jenks, you're not my friend, you're my brother. And just like, like explains all this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> my heart my heart but yeah did you have any favorite like funny one-liners oh boy not that i marked or that i think i could find again but i i thoroughly enjoyed reading it yeah yeah so uh okay ship of the book be it friendship or romance and like i said before there are like any kind of relationship is in this book okay seriously anything i thought of happened yeah <laughs> <laughs> like okay when i was thinking about that getting getting ready to have this conversation with you i was like okay who do i ship and and i guess like uh, yeah so it was like okay well um <laughs> I don't know what else to ship. <laughs> yeah, like all the ships came true. Well, except one ship. One ship did not come true. And it broke like, What? Yeah. Yeah, like Jenks and Lovey was so yeah. upsetting. And it's like, and that one was like, I like, I love that they just like went for it. Like that, that relationship that they're just like, no, like we're going to talk about, like if we're going to talk about any species relationship, we're going to talk about like possible romances between like humans and AIs. Like, that's just what's going to happen. And it's just, like, at first it's kind of, like, weird. But then you're just, like, no, like, Lovey is a fully realized, like, sapient. Just, like, Sissix is. Just, like, Dr. Chef is. Just, like, Ohan is. Like, mm -hmm. Ohan R, I guess. During, like, before the pair thing shenanigans. Um, it's just, like, like, they're all valid species. So, like, why wouldn't, like, a sentient AI also be considered, like, sentient? Like, it's a sentient AI. That's the whole idea. And so it's, like, why should a relationship between... Jenks and Lovey be any different than the like a relationship between like Ashby and Pay or like Sissix and Rosemary. I just realized too that literally like all of the characters were in interspecies relationships. What? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the the thing that I really liked about when Rosemary and Sissix get together, I guess is the best way for me to say that, was that Rosemary went and approached her and said, I see that there is something missing from your life, and I would like to fill that void for you if you would let me. Yeah, like, just, like, Rosemary and Sussex together in general. Like, I love how, like, they laid that groundwork of, like, the fact that, like, Rosemary really admires Sussex, like, as a friend and as a person. And it's just, like, this, like, this species or, like, this, like, person, this individual is, like, this amazing person. And, like understanding that and then just being like hey like I really like this person I like want to see them be happy and like I'm also interested in like pursuing this and it's like I understand that like that this relationship will be different than any kind of like human relationship that I'll ever have but like I still want to try it like I still think it's worth doing even knowing that like it won't last forever but that's like it's not supposed to, like, it's not, it won't last forever in like a certain way but there's nothing wrong with that and so like I think that like their relationship is amazing both in the fact that it's like like, I loved yeah. it, like, gay, but also because it's also, like, 
it's I think a really good example of like poly relationships and like the idea of like being polyamorous and how you can do it in a good healthy way which is like based on like communication and understanding and respect and respect like communication understanding and respect and it's like respecting that like like romance like romance and like sex and friendship and all that kind of stuff like they don't always mean one thing and they're not always realized in the same way and one way of realizing them isn't like less valid than another as long as all the parties in it are talking and communicating and are being respected and are happy. Yeah. And it's yeah. consensual. And it's consensual, right? Like they're all being like heard and listened and respected. Yeah. And yeah, it's consensual. And it's just like, yeah, I was like, like that was so well done. And it was so great. And like, I could tell, like, I was like super excited, like reading it early on. Cause I was just like, I think this might happen. And, like, I'd asked, like, my friend who read the book, I was just like, is this, this going to happen? And they, like, wouldn't say anything. So then when it did, I was like, <laughs> yes! I, like, texted them. It was just stupid excited. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, for me, yeah, no, definitely the relationship would be Sissix and Rosemary because it, like, checks off so many boxes of just being, like, A, it was, like, super well communicated and talked about. Like, their reasons for going into it are based on this, like, idea of, like, friendship and, like, like, just understanding and just like willing to try new things and like not put themselves in a box, but communicating well. Like it's not one of those things where just being like, let's just do something new for the heck of it. It's being like, no, like they both thought it through like really well. And they're like, let's go about this new thing and try it and see what happens. Yeah. And just that idea too, of just being like relationships don't have to be one thing. They can be lots of different things. They can have lots of different faces. So yeah, like their relationship was so well done and well crafted and all the relationships are but like theirs i think was like just yeah. cherry on the top but you don't see relationships like that like you like kind of see relationships like jenks and lovey in some ways you see relationships like ashby and pay in other works but like rosemary and like sissix relationship is so groundbreaking and like what it was standing yeah. for and like like in, in its portrayal right like ah. i i think that all of the relationships were done very well and felt real in the yes. sense that sometimes you get like the whole like star-crossed lover thing that they meet and they fall in love and it's instantaneous and it's happily ever after and in in this book there's a lot of like Ashby and Pei's relationship is when we're with each other we're going to enjoy being with each other and we kill the time but when we're there we're going to enjoy each other's company, even if, you know, it's not necessarily right with my culture's customs, but I, clearly she loves him. Yeah. Yeah, like, Ashby's and Paige's relationship is so well done, and, like, like, and just, like, that kind of thing, and just, like, it's interesting, too, like, I love how, like, they slowly, like, explored, like, why they don't talk about it. Like, that's the thing I really like, is it was one of those things where, like, mm -hmm. and it's something I think she does really well, and, like, we were talking about it before with, like, her, like, development of alien cultures. She does it in, like, Becky Chambers writes in such a way that, it, like, it never really gets boring. Mm -hmm. Like, she doesn't, like, she doesn't do a shit ton of exposition and just being, like, this is exactly how these cultures are set up. It's, like, she's, like, the epitome almost of, like, show, don't tell. Like, she shows, like, like, Ashby, like, getting super nervous and, like, not talking about his relationship with his crewmates, even though they're, like, they're totally supportive, but it's because of, like, stuff right. on pain side of things. And just, it's, it's just so well done. And, yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, all of the relationships on this are, like, so well formed and, like, realistic 
but also like I, I I love that they're all like healthy like I love that like I get that like that maybe like not all relationships are healthy but like it's nice being in a place where they are for a little while being like this is what healthy relationships can look like and here's lots of different iterations of healthy relationships that you can like look at and learn from and like experience that you know that this shouldn't this shouldn't be groundbreaking yeah but well and on just like romantic relationships but Sissix and Corbin they clearly don't get along but they have a professional working relationship where Sissix is willing to basically say, yeah, okay, I'll take this guy and be in his company for the next two years so that he's not in prison for the rest of his life because his father happened to clone himself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like the fact that like Sissix, again, like Sissix being an amazing person, creature, and just being like, yo, like, I don't like this person. This person has only ever been terrible to me, but like I re like I respect them enough that like I recognize that they like deserve to be respected, and I will show them that respect. And I would like yeah like step up to the plate and take care of them, right? And then like Corbin at the end too, where he's yeah. just like when he approaches Ohan, <laughs> and he's just like yo, like this might not be what you want, but everyone on this ship is hurting, and like despite what an ass I am, like I do actually care about all these people, and I'm going to ensure that they get. Like, that, like, I'm not going to let, see them hurt again. And you're just like, Corbin, you jackass, but, like, you're so sweet. <laughs> yeah. He shows love and affection by being an ass. Basically. Basically, Corbin. Basically, Corbin. <laughs> but, yeah, and just, yeah, no, like, he, like, yeah. His character is super interesting, because it's, like, he's such a jerk, but you still, like, you feel for him, right? Like, he's just... I actually was sad that he wasn't more in the book than he was. Like, yeah. There's a whole part in the middle where you don't see him at all. It's like, yeah. is he still there? He's like, where did the Algeus go? He's kind of important. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like if there was going to be like a secondary character, it would probably be Corbin. Like he definitely sort of disappears. Um,. Yeah. For a little bit. I think though like that's kind of part of the point though, because he always it always does seem like he's holding himself sort of at arm's length from everybody else. Um, because he's always like down in the algae bay working, that kind of stuff. And he just like he is so standoffish that it's not surprising that he like does it and like can so, like interact with the crew members more than he has to, because like he apparently just hates everyone. <laughs> um, but even that like goes to show again like how much these people still care about one another. They're like, here's this guy that like goes out of his way to avoid us. But, like, he's doing a critical service for our ship, and, like, that's just, like, who he is, and, like, we're still going to take care of him even though he does this. We're not going to, like, right. not hold him accountable. Like, they call him out on all of his bullshit, and they, like, hold him responsible for, like, when he messes up. So it's not just saying, like, oh, yeah, like, deal with assholes. It's being, like, no, like, call them out when they do something wrong, but also, like, recognize that, like, not everyone is going to form the same kinds of relationships with people. And as long as you're not actively hurting someone... But yeah, I feel like, yeah, it almost sort of, like, ties in, like, I'm just thinking, realizing this now, like, Sissick's relationship with Corbin is almost, like, the fact that she was willing to stand up is really reminiscent of, like, when she reached out to that Andrus woman in the marketplace. I guess, yeah, we were kind of talking about this already. Like, would Corbin be your favorite character arc, or, like, which character would you say had the best arc? I, I really enjoyed learning more about Pei. Mm. Right? From this yeah. first, you hear, okay, well, she's 
Ashley's another, and then, but she always like delivering supplies all over the galaxy and putting herself in dangerous situations, and he worries about her, and then she needs help and docks on the ship, and then Kizzy has this conversation with her about living living with fear. It's like, okay, well, how do you how do you make that work? And I thought that I really want to read what happens next because Pei's going to come visit and Ohan is singular and yeah, it was it was people that I want to see how they continue to develop. Yeah. And I enjoyed how they did develop. Yeah. Like I think like other than Corbin, I wouldn't say like most of the characters had like a cra- like a really big crazy arc. Like they all grew in small ways. I think is mostly what it was. And it's kind of that whole idea of like it was more of a series of vignettes, right? Like it was like sort of different instances on this like basically year-long mm-hmm. journey that they're going on. And like there are like different ways that they grow where it's like Jenk sort of wrestling with the idea of like Jenk like should he and Lovey like go and do this like illegal thing and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's like them grappling with that question. And it's like Ashby grappling with like how can he better serve his crew and like sort of what kind of like I guess like it's a little bit like the idea of like is he like seeking glory or it's like no like he just wants to like give his crew a better life and all that kind of stuff and like like he like kind of wants to seek a little bit of glory but not really seek it um and Rosemary's just like wanting to grow on go go forward and like move on with her life and put like her past behind her um and then like Dr. Chef is just being Dr. Chef and just being great (laughs) but yeah it's like I think I think the main like the only character that really like saw like really concrete growth was would be Corbin like because he kind of went from being this like complete asshole to being just mostly an asshole <laughs> um but like I think <laughs> a lot of it and like that's okay though because like again like these are all like like they they grew in like the really small ways which I think is also kind of like a nice thing to see whereas like you don't have to have like a complete like overhaul of your worldview or stuff like that like it's okay to learn from those small moments and just, like, incorporate them and, like, keep moving on. Like, I think Rosemary learns a lot from Sissix about, like, how can you, like, be a more kind and compassionate person. And, like, like Sissix learns from other people on the ship and that kind of stuff. And, like, Ashby's always learning from other people. And it's just, it's great. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. So, yeah. I think, yeah, I don't know if I could pick, like, a... Yeah, I I agree. Like, it would be, I want to, I want to stay in this world more. I want to see these characters. Like, it would be really... Oh man, can you imagine if this was like a webcomic and you just got like different like little bits and pieces of their lives like in comic form? Like A, it would be really cool because I want to see what all these like alien species look like because I can kind of picture them, but they are so different that you're like, but like, what do you look like? <laughs> yeah. Because um, yeah, like, I think I think uh, like that would be cool. And then like, I feel like webcomics, like do you read many webcomics? I read them sometimes. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't read a bunch of them, but, like, there's one that I really like called, like, Oh My God, Check, Please. Um, and it's, like, adorable little, like, hockey webcomic where, like, this kid, like, bakes pies and is, like, also a hockey team guy. And it's adorable. <laughs> but it, like, it kind of reminds me a lot of this book in terms of, like, the way it tells stories more through, like, small, like, episodic vignettes of the sense in, like, it, like, there's a longer pro- plot, like, going through it, but it's more important about those, like, smaller, like, personal interactions that everyone has um and I'm like so I feel like it, this yeah. would be like another 
medium where it would make sense because like you don't need like necessarily like a huge long like overarching plot like it helps and there is that in here but it's more about those like quieter moments like i don't think like it would be translated necessarily like super well into a movie because no i don't think because yeah. because it's too many snippets yeah um because possibly yeah, but I think, like, a webcomic would be, like, a, an ideal, like, visual medium, like, if it was going to go into another type of, like, medium. Like, that would be an interesting visual medium to go through. I've heard that the audiobook of it is really good, too, so I'd be interested to see what the audiobook is like. Yeah. Because I'm, like, I'd be interested to see, like, if they went with, like, one narrator, which would make sense, because it's all third person, or if they went for, like, different narrators for different characters. I don't know. Could, that could be very interesting. Yeah um so we've talked about this a little bit but like how the book applies or reflects society today i think i think it addresses a lot of the like fundamental issues society faces today and i like that it recognizes that like some of them are solved but none of them are solved universally yeah like it talks about like war and it's like yeah like war is mostly done like within the galactic commons but there's still like war outside of it. And it's that idea of like, war is not unique to humans or anything like that. Like the Grum went through and fought like this really terrible destructive war. And like humans probably would have gone the same way, but they decided like they got lucky enough and they got intervention early enough. That they kind of were able to stop. Um, the idea of like other, other species can be specious and other species can be mean. What these characters do really well in the book is like they listen to each other and they like are willing to learn when they've done something wrong. They own up to it and they talk about it and they talk through it and they like use like their words and they like, if they can't be the one to talk, then they get like a mediator to come and help them talk and all that kind of stuff. And that was true of like the Galactic Commons. Like there were different mediators that would come in of different species that would come and help other species sort of solve their problems. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that I appreciated with it though, is it never made it seem easy. Yeah. Like, it didn't it didn't make it seem like all of these that you have to work on it they still have to work on it you see somebody who looks completely different from you you're going to have some assumptions about them and the it's like, not necessarily impolite to go up and start talking with them and compare your differences and in, in a respectful manner yeah i think that was one of the things i really like about rosemary is like especially when she first comes onto the ship is she like sees all these people and are super different and like all those questions are popping up, but she's just like, I'm not going to ask them right now because that would be rude. <laughs> I'm going to go and like learn more. And when it seems okay, like then you can start and ask the questions. But I feel like that's true for like a lot of different people. And like even now, like we don't have like weird, crazy species or anything like that, but there's like, you're always going to like come across someone that you see and they like, there's something different about them. And it's okay mm -hmm. to notice that there's something different about them. That's like normal. That's like a natural thing to do. But it's how you respond, I think, right? To like noticing that something is different. So you can choose to be like rude in a sense and just go up and like point blank ask them about it. Or you can choose to be like, hey, like I want to go and like learn more about this person, but not in like an invasive way. Right? Like just Let's go and like and start talking about this. Yeah. Um, there's this really good um queer feminist ukulele comedy band in Calgary. <laughs> <laughs> of course there is right so they're called the wrong kind of girls 
and they have this amazing song called Yahoo. And the entire point of the song is this idea of like, when you're a part of like a visible minority or just like a minority in general, people will just come up to you and ask you like super invasive questions. Like ask you about like being like, like, like being catcalled or something like that. Or what it's like, what it's like if like something happens or like, like how do, but how do like lesbians have sex or like, but like what's your junk look like to a transgender person or stuff like that. And it's just like, Hey, like that's super like rude. (laughs) And like, Mm -hmm. even like asking those small questions, like if you're not respecting that person's time, like, I'm, like, I'm super happy to, like, discuss with my friends about, like, different things that happened to me, but if, like, that's all they did, if, like, all they did was come up and ask me, like, all these questions, and they never, like, took time for themselves to, like, read up on it and, like, learn stuff themselves, then that's, like, super rude for me, and it's, like, the same for me, like, if I meet someone who has, like, a vastly different experience from me, like, I can ask them some questions, and that's, like, totally fine, but, like, I also need to, like, understand that I have to put, like, work in. Like, I have to educate myself. I have to learn more and understand, like, yeah. And so, like, I love this, like, video or this song of theirs because it's all just about, like, like, it's, like, sometimes, like, just Google that. Like, it's going to be online somewhere. Like, someone is going to be somewhere online talking about their experiences. And they've chosen to talk about their experiences there. So you're not, like, taking their time, right? And so, like, I love that, like, we see like uh like rosemary like googling certain things basically of being like i want to know about this and it's just like so you see her like going and looking stuff up and trying to understand more and like her not point blank asking jenks like oh did you like janetta tweak yourself to look super short it's just like no like she's gonna be like no like i'm gonna wait or like when sissix tells like her not to like ask dr chef about their home planet like Sissix is like, don't ask about his home planet, like anything like that. And so she doesn't. And then it's like later on when it's just like, okay, no, like, like they've established this relationship. It's okay for them to talk about it now. Like it's being respectful. Like Dr. Chef is willing to share. Like it's not forcing Dr. Chef to share in like a way that he wouldn't feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So I love that. It's like that idea of you need to educate, like, like you are, like you as an individual are responsible for your education and it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to like learn more. And like, it, it's highly encouraged, like reach outside of your comfort zone, but also it's like, you need to, it's that understanding that you should do it on your own time and only like go and like ask a friend or like do that kind of stuff. Like once you've put in a little bit of that initial legwork. Yeah. People have multiple aspects and they enjoy talking about stupid shit and really deep stuff and everything in between. And it's, it's important to see that each person is a person and themselves and has their own personality and can't always speak for everyone in a group. Yeah, like that. That so much. Uh, that's perfect. Yeah. Like I, like, I can speak to my experiences, but I can't speak to everyone else's. You can speak to your experiences, but you can't speak to everyone else's. And that's normal. And that's, like, how being a person works. The other thing I really like, too, about this book is how they talk about, like, other sapient species as being, like, as, like, as persons. It's like, no, you're a person. And that, like, idea that, like, person just applies to, like, any living creature that's sentient. And it can be, like, a species-neutral term. That's weird to say. <laughs> but they, they, I love that they use person as a species neutral term. Like, it, I think that was super important. So, any other sort of, like, lingering thoughts on that one? Or I guess, yeah, looming questions the book left us with. What happens to Ohan? 
how how is what's Ohan's experience? What's Ohan's reflection on his experience as a pair? Like because we met the other solitary who said, you know, I can still do the navigation that I could do before, but it's not going to kill me. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't have to just eat goo. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for Ohan to like eat real food. Like that's going to be such an important experience for him. Um, it reminds and me, do you watch iZombie? No. Oh, okay. I not watched. So like the zombie, like there are zombies in it, but they're like sentient zombies. Like they're not like, Ugh. like they get that way, but only if they don't stay fed. Um, but so like they have to eat brains, but like they can't really, like they can eat other food. It just doesn't taste like anything, but they can, they, they can taste really spicy stuff. So like the, one of the ways that you figure out if someone's a zombie is if they put like a bunch of hot sauce on their food and like they eat brains. But besides that, so like they, they eventually like later on, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Um, they come up with like a cure for zombieism. And so you see like a couple characters like get the cure. And like the first thing that like one of the characters does when he's cured is he just eats like vats and vats of ice cream because he's like, I can taste again. Oh my God, this is amazing. Because <laughs> he like wasn't able to taste anything like other than spice for like months on end. <laughs> and then he could finally like taste again. So he's like, first thing, just like four gallons of ice cream, just like shove it all in. And you're like, oh my God, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> But yeah, so yeah, I feel like that it'll be a similar experience for Ohan, but Dr. Chef will make sure that Ohan doesn't overexert himself too much in his new culinary pursuits. Yeah, well, I think it's all, though, I'm just going to go off on the cooking with someone else. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that has, that has a lot of meaning, like making, making food together is a very powerful experience. Um. As a chemist, I love making food. Uh, <laughs> it's just like chemistry, but you can lick the spoon. Right? <laughs> yeah. No, like one of my favorite <laughs> chemical engineering demonstrations then... that I've done is making liquid nitrogen ice cream. Because you got to lick the spoon. Yeah. It's, I can't lick the spoon at work. Right? No. <laughs> no, 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 no. But it's always... It's always so interesting, like, reading stories of old scientists who did exactly that, and you're just like, oh, God, but you're like, it's technically a data point, right? Like, taste is a data point, but, like, don't, don't do it. I came across this paper once where the, there was literally a line in it that said, we knew it had become acidic when it started tasting sour. <laughs> and you're like, you were eating what? <laughs> But yeah, so you know, yeah, I think, I think, yeah, our biggest question is Ohan. I think mostly our biggest question is Ohan because we know Lovelace gets another book. So like, I feel like most of our Lovelace questions will be answered, but like, we don't, we don't know if Ohan's questions will be answered. Mm -hmm. I want to know more like, like the fact that they become like when they're a pair and they become like, they are two entities like living together. They're a symbiotic organism. Like, I'm really intrigued that they didn't talk about, like, names with respect to Ohan and, like, the Synat species. Because they talk about names in, like, a lot of other places. Yeah. Like, when they talk about Rosemary choosing a new name and, like, Jenks and, like, like Jenks talks about it a little bit. Um, and I know that it's a really big thing mm -hmm. when, um, like, with Lovelace because, like, when, like, like, in the first chapter of the second book, um, 
the first thing that Pepper has Lovelace do is pick a new name because like Lovelace is a common AI name and so she can't go by that name when like they touch down. And so they talk about like the idea of like choosing names in the modern community and that yeah. kind of stuff. And I'm really intrigued that they didn't have that thread tying into the Synat species, considering that they exist as like a symbiotic organism. Like, do they like do, are they not named until they become a Synat pair? Like, does this like does the one like the whisperers like parasite not affect like their desire for names? Like, does the whisperer have a name itself, they but they don't tell anyone? So I think the Whisperer doesn't care about names and that if it were up to the species themselves, they wouldn't. But because they have to interact with others and other species, they have they just keep the name they were given in the sense that that way other, other sapiens can wrap their minds around it and refer to them as a name. Okay, yeah, no, that makes sense. Cause, yeah, because I just like I, I do think that is interesting though, because it's like you 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 do change, like you're not the same being as you were before because you're one being now, you're not two. So I'm like, why isn't your name changing? Yeah. But no, like uh ah. Yeah, no. I think that's yeah. Those are like the two really oh also I just wanna know, like I need I need to know that Jenks gets better. I need to know that like he's able to grow and like heal. Because, like, damn, that was so sad. <laughs> I want to know, I want to know, like, how Tycho integrates with the ship. Like, if he's able to sort of get, like, a similar, like, obviously, like, no one will be able to replace Lovey. But, like, I'm interested to see, like, how everyone else on the crew, like, responds to Tycho. That yeah. was, like, one of the things I loved is, like, once, like, when Lovey dies and, like, Ashby is going to another planet and he, like, ask the AI, like, the, like one of the first AIs he interacts with, he's just like, hey, like, wh what's your name? And the AI is just like, oh, like, did you, like, did I offend you or something like that? And Ashley was just like, no, like, I just, I just wanted to know it. And it was just like that, like, that realization, it almost reminds me of, like, in Harry Potter, when, like, they realize, like, what the house elves were going through, right? And, like, how... For, like, most of the wizards and, like, most of the people, like, in this galaxy, like, they don't think twice about AIs. They're just like, oh, whatever. Like, they're they're here to do work. Like, we program them and they do shit for us. And it's, like, they're house elves. And no one, like, recognizes the fact that, like, house elves are sentient. <laughs> and it's, like, that realization that, like, Ashby goes through and he's just like, oh, shit. Like, I've been, like, disrespecting these, like, beings. And like and it's also like I like that there's like that distinction that was brought up of like that like some AIs like like AIs are structured as like almost like a species or like as a type of being just like like mammals are structured right like there are certain more sapient mammals and like less sapient mammals in the sense that like we have beasts of bird and all that kind of stuff and you'd have the same sort of thing with AIs like there's gonna be AIs that are like more or less machines and then there's gonna be more AIs that are more people like. And that's true. Mm -hmm. I think of like all the different planets and all the different like like species that you see is like they're used to having like species on their planet that like aren't super smart and like because they eat them. But like it's yeah. different, like and so it's just like it makes sense that that also carries over into AI culture and you're just like, wait, what? Like mm. But yeah, like I think that was that was such an important moment when Ashby was just like, Hey, like, what's your name? I feel bad that I've never asked this before. <laughs> Yeah. 
but yeah so but yeah i'd be interested to see like how does how do ai write talking about names Mm -hmm. so talking about names brings me to like ancient egypt and egyptian mythology with and this is going back to rick riordan again but like knowing something's name has power like knowing someone's name is more than just you have a way to refer to them it you then have started a relationship with someone as soon as you say okay what's your name or hi i'm claire like that's how i see myself or that's how you should interact with someone and in egyptian mythology that can be used to heal you like if somebody knows your like not just your name that you're called but your secret name the name that really defines who you are they can heal you like i mean they can also kill you but you know it has it has power like it what what your re like the essence of your being giving a name to it has power more than just on the surface yeah i think that that reminds me too just like that idea of like the power of language and how until we're given like a word to describe something like it can exist but it's hard for us to understand that it exists right like mm-hmm. like and you talk about this all the time like because you're like trilingual and you know three languages and how there are words and different things and expressions and different things that don't carry over um but like there's this one really great book by sarah reese brennan yep. called the demon's lexicon have you read it no it's been a while but I have read it. Okay, so if you remember, like, it's been a long time since I read it, but there's this one thing that, like, stuck with me, and it always sticks with me, and it's, like, that's, like, because the whole premise, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, um, is that Nick is a demon, right? Like, he was a demon, and he was, like, put into this human host, but, like, he was put into this human host as, like, a baby, and he's been able to, like, grow up, and it's, like, this, like, weird, crazy experiment and when, like, Nick tries to go back to being, like, a demon again, like, a proper demon, and, like, leave his human body behind, he, like, can't because Alan, his brother who basically raised him, like, taught him language. And so it was such, like, a novel thing that, like, it, like that Nick, at, like, was able to learn language because, like, that was the whole reason that they did it. And the reason that, like, Nick mm-hmm. doesn't go off and become this crazy, like, insane demon is because, like, he has a word for home. And he can't unlearn that word and he's just like but like i like he understands the concept of home because he like has a word for it and he has language for it and that's what kept him from like going completely like destructive and destroying the world that just like blows my mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that's also in this book right sissix has words and andrisks that she can't fully explain in in, in clip or whatever the common language is mm-hmm. and it's that there's for her there's like this the one that really sticks with me I can't remember exactly what the word was but it meant like it's something that had just hatched that was still kind of soft but you knew it was going to get harder later yeah yeah <laughs> that was a it was how they described uh, rosemary when it first came on yeah 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 no it was perfect like that like, yeah that was such a good description of being like of that kind of thing. I was just trying to remember. Oh, oh, I forgot about the proverb that starts the book. The proverb that starts, like, the in the preface. From the ground we stand, from our ships we live, by the stars we hope. Just, like, 
just crack me wide open, why don't you? But yeah, no, and so like that, or like the fact that like Dr. Chef (laughs) can't, like no one else can say his name because you need six branching vocal cords and like an hour (laughs) or so to say it. (laughs) And it's just like, it's so like, yeah, that idea of like, like language is important and it allows us to express certain things. And until we have like the words to express it, like it's really hard to just, to like explain those concepts. Um, but yeah, so I think this book, like, also talks about this book is just so good, Claire. This book is so good. You know, I read it. I know, right? It's just, I'm so happy that it, like, exists and that, like, was found. I also just love the cover on mine. Like, your cover is different, but this one is so pretty. Yeah, I couldn't find that one. This is the one that I got. I um, think this is the British one. It definitely is, because it says pounds on the back. So I think we got the British version in Canada, and you all got the American version. So good. Um, do we have any other, like, I guess, yeah. Are we? Do we have any other, like, big things we want to talk about, or do we want to get on to the, the three-word challenge? Oh. Okay, I got one. Okay, go. Finding Family Matters. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Okay. Let me think of what my three would be. And hugs. Hugs. And matter. hugs. And hugs. Right. <laughs> Communication is key. That seems like cheesy and like such like a self help thing, but it's such a it's it's at the core of this book. Like the core of this book is people like actually talking to each other and actually listening to each other. Yeah. The Toremi can't figure out how to communicate their differences. If you disagree, you're supposed to kill each other. Which is like how you don't, you don't really succeed doing that. And they don't succeed, basically. Like, they're going the way of the crumb, basically. Like, they're gonna be gone, like, very quickly. So I think it's probably honestly like why the Galactic Alliance is willing to just be like, you know what, screw it. Like we're washing our hands of these people because like they're playing the long game. Like if we want to get to that ambi at the core, like we'll just wait until these guys like either get their shit together or die off. Yeah. They're being real dumb. They're being real dumb. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. So I guess... That was our that was our long way to a small angry planet talk. Yeah. It's a good one. Okay, but you are going so, to announce what our next book is going to be. Alrighty, for next time we will be reading Afterworlds by Scott Westerfield, which I am in the middle of, and Rachel has previously read. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued to go Basically, back and reread it. On the most basic level, for a quick intro, it's about a girl who's just graduated high school who's writing a novel for the first time. And it's a novel where the novel the novel talks about is in the novel. It's so meta, and I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, I was just going to say, like, of, like, I haven't read that many, like, meta books. So uh, this one would probably consider, like, the second meta novel that I read. Because the first one is arguably um, I Am the Messenger. Because that one has, like, a meta component at the very end. Um, which we can talk about another time, but not spoil it. But you were saying, anyways, Inkheart. So saying that for those of you who read Inkheart and just really wanted to read Inkheart with, instead of Inkheart, this has both. 
Yeah. It gives you both. Yeah, and it's it's crazy because like it's a first novel, but it's Scott Westerfeld's like tenth. So, <laughs> so it's really interesting how he captures that. Uh, but no, it's super. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I'm intrigued to go back and reread it because it's been. I think it's been since it was published. Let's see when it was published. It's been three years since I've read this book. So <laughs> this will be a fun time. I mean, I'm intrigued to see what it's like going back to it after three years. Okay. Yeah. So I guess that was this episode of Chapter One Podcasts. You can find us on iTunes and SoundCloud and archive.org. Um, you can, we don't really have an email yet, but if you know either Claire or I, feel free to bother us. And I guess you can bother me on Twitter at bookenge, E-O-O-K-E-N-G-G. So that's where you can find me. We don't have any like formal media for the show set up yet. We might, who knows? Um, but you can comment on SoundCloud and add any like likes and loves there, or you can give us a review on iTunes, but like, we don't like, we're doing this for fun. If it grows, it grows, but we're just doing this for fun. <laughs> just wanted to read and discuss what we read. Yeah. And have something that holds us accountable for reading and discussing what we're reading. <laughs> that's what I need at least. I think Claire needs it a bit less. For me, I need something that's holding me accountable. <laughs> But yeah, so that was this episode of chapter one. Uh, keep reading, stay classy, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks to discuss Afterworlds.